Amen. Thank you all once again that have been contributing. Amen. As we've been in this uh, live stream only since I think our last service was somewhere around March 13 or 15 to somewhere in the middle of March. And I never forget when we came out of that service, I was just thinking about the service was so glorious and so uh, I mean, the presence of God was so thick in there, in here. I just remember thinking, I was, as when we came out of that service, I remember thinking, and uh, just how much I enjoyed it, and how much the people enjoyed the service, and the power of God, how it met us that day. And then when, I think the Monday, or right after, uh, they started announcing about the coronavirus and COVID-19 and shutdowns and things of that nature. And I remember thinking, I say, Lord, that's why you blessed us with such a glorious service, because you knew that we weren't going to be able to gather for quite some time. And so that service was really glorious and it was really weighty. And I, and I see why we enjoyed it so much. And now we are preparing if all goes well, next Sunday, we're going to come back together. And there's some, of course, some things that we've been doing, just like every other business, just like every other company, be mindful of the social distances and all of the guidelines. And a lot of prayer and a lot of thought went into it. And as we, as I noticed that, you know, I continue to go to work and I was still going to Walmart, Target, Whole Foods and just going around doing these things, and I saw people out, and I say, well, but then I saw how businesses begin to make adjustments for people to be able to come together and, and work, and then I say, well, uh, <clears throat> that's what we need to do. And so we're taking some of the same practices and measures that you've seen on your job as far as making sure people keep in distances, temperature checks, things of that nature. We're going to our sanctuary is going to look a little different. Chairs are going to be more spread out. We're actually going to have our overflow room set up as well with good screen and sound system to, to, to make sure that we're doing everything just like every other company in uh, modern society is doing, praise God. So we're doing our part to make sure that the people of God can go to church just like they're doing everything else. Praise God. And of course, if you're sick and if you have symptoms, of course, just like you can't go to work, of course, you're not going to be able to come to church. Amen. Because we got to protect everybody. So we're just going to be doing some of the same things that your companies are doing where you work. Praise God. And as long as things go well, we are planning on coming together next week. Amen. Praise God. All right, so let's go into prayer. Amen. I, I, I went live last night and I was talking to you guys about uh, the spiritual battle for the soul of America. And I mean, it, you know, it was, of course, I was teaching on something else. I was teaching on fear. And I'll come back to that another time. But I just believe that the church should be cognizant of the climate of society. I, I believe wholeheartedly. When the Lord Jesus said, the church is the light of the world, meaning the world should be able to look for the church, to the church, for guidance, for direction, to hear the voice of God. 
to know what's coming. I mean, the church has a very, very important role in society. And when disruptions and, and things come in society, the church should be able to uh, socialize and, and have a voice and have a pure word and pure view, pure sentiment as far as addressing things in society. And hopefully the church can have influence and imprint and people can find direction in their churches in the times they're living in. So God shifted me. And that's what I'm going to be talking about, just building on where we were last night, talking about the spiritual battle for the soul of America. So pray with me this morning. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God, I pray, oh God, that as the beautiful spirit of God has impressed these things upon my heart, oh God, it just lets me know that you are attentive to the world. God, that you pay attention, oh God, and that you love us dearly. God, even, oh God, as Brother Kevin opened up today, God, and I just love the way, oh God, that he's honest and transparent and real, oh God, expressing where his heart was and his mind was. And only God could intervene in a man's life that way. Showing him expressly your heart answering his questions like only you can God because you are that type of father you are that type of God you do care God you are paying attention God in contrary God to what we may think and feel sometimes God I know that information to doubt you they can only come from a few sources the devil God and sometimes our flesh God feeds us information on God and if we give in to it and if we hear it, it can influence us in wrong direction. So, God, I thank you for your spirit that talks to us. God, even as the scriptures say, the spirit of truth, that it leads us and guides us into all truth. Oh, God, and the truth is that you do care. But, God, also you give us wisdom. And I thank you, oh, God, for the words, oh, God, that you're speaking God, showing us where to put our attention. God, exposing the hand of the enemy. God, and teaching us the warfare to fight. God, letting us know, God, that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places. And God, I thank you, oh God. Take control of my mouth and my mind and speak, oh God, today. And give us all the ear to hear what the wonderful spirit of God has to say through this vessel today. God, yield my members to you and I bind every spirit that would hinder the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Like I said, I shifted from where I was last Wednesday. Amen. And just trying to stay in tune with God and stay in tune as Christian people. What is God's mind? What is God's attitude? How does God feel about the things that concern us? And if you are paying attention and you have children, if you are a working person, there's no way you can't be concerned about the things that's going on in our country. Praise God. You have to be concerned. And you have to be aware. But the main thing is to be in alignment 
with how God feels and to know that God has a view and to know that God has wisdom for us. And like I was talking last night, I just kind of started. The point of last night was to show you the heart of the enemy. <laughs> Praise God. And hopefully bring some awareness to when Paul began to talk about how we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And just showing you, we started in the book of Isaiah and we were talking about how Satan's desire was to shift his throne from the position that it was in to move his throne into a more influential manner to impact government or decisions or laws. And then we walk into the book of Daniel after we saw that Satan wanted to be in government. Then we begin to walk through the book of Daniel and look at uh, just how he set up his kingdom. We saw that an angel was wrestling with a demon in the air of Persia and how Satan had assigned a demon to that region. And then after that conversation, we saw how the angel said, after we fought this battle over the atmosphere of Persia, the angel saying, now I must shift and go prepare to do battle with the angel, the demon that's assigned to Greece or Grecia, as the scripture said in the book of Daniel. So the point was to bring awareness to the kingdom of darkness to show you that Satan assigns demons to regions, to countries, to states, to cities, to neighborhoods. And he strategically dispatches these demons with specific assignments. And then as we walked through that, then I brought you to and was just sharing with you how Satan has put a, a demonic spirit of hate in America. And that demon's assignment is to cause people in America to hate and be divided with each other. And that's the facts. And we walk through those scriptures. So I'm bringing awareness to you to show you that Satan has assigned a demon of hate to this country. And we're going to go back and just look at some of this and understand what we're dealing with and what we're fighting. I'm going to take your attention and just show you as we walk through some of these scriptures and passages, what should our attention be on? If we want to make real impact and have real changes, we need to know where to put our attention. So in conclusion, if Satan wants to be in government, why does he want to be in government? Because government is what uh, directly impacts the culture of society. And last night, I shared with you that the soul of a nation is expressed in its laws. Remember that. If you want to deal with the soul of any country, you go to its constitution, you go to its laws. And as that country moves forward, then amendments come out because laws can change as society moves forward. And the church's job is to be aware, aware of where Satan is fighting and why he wants that influence, why he want to be in government. And then we got to know, okay, this is how we battle it. Praise God. So let's start over here in Matthew. 
chapter 23, verse 29 to 20 to 36. And in order for you to to really understand and to walk with God, you got to know that God is not a moment. God is not the kind of God that does things just for that particular moment. But when God shifts a culture or when God shifts a country or when God shifts anything, God's responses are long-term solutions. Praise God. So you got to know that when it comes to matters of getting answers and wisdom from God, God is going to deal with the generational impact of something. A move of God, God, some things are called paradigm shifts. A paradigm shift is when massive things shift into new directions. Praise God. And I'm going to walk you through some of our history. First thing I want to say as we go into this, the first section of this, I, I, I put a note to myself called Zoom Out. And what I, what I was thinking when I was thinking of zooming out, it's like you can, if anybody take pictures or do any kind of camera work, when you zoom in, you are kind of crystallizing in on a very small section or a moment in time. But when you zoom out, what you're doing is giving yourself a bigger picture and getting more context. And you give yourself more information and more data so the zoom out feature, it causes you to see at a wider scale. <laughs> Praise God. And in order to walk with God, you got to learn how to see the, the long term. And the, the, because God deals in, God lives in generations and ages, people. The, the, he gave these years and, and times and dates for us. But God don't live in that. Praise God. So let me show you in. So the first part, I'm going to show you something here in Matthew 23, verse 29 to 26. All right. Let me put my little glasses on. I am getting a little older here. Praise God. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He said, Because you build the tombs of the prophets and you garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. And you say, Here we go. If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. He said, wherefore, you be witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. He said, fill ye up then the measure of your father. Here's what Jesus was trying to, and let me give you verse 35. That upon you may come all the righteous blood upon the earth, blood shed upon the earth. From the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Barakas, Barakias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. <laughs> A very important point here. What Jesus was trying to tell him is, hey, you are saying I would have never killed that prophet. But he was trying to get them to see in generational sight. He said, maybe you haven't done the exact same thing, but you are the children or you think the same way. And what he's telling you is this is a mindset. This is spiritual in nature. It goes beyond, praise God, just what you're doing right now. He said, he said, you are the children of those that did these things. So what he's saying is 
as society moves forward and as society progresses, we got to be careful that we understand the mindsets that Satan has put in our society and we cannot let these mindsets continue to travel. But as we discern and detect mindsets that travel, then we got to be intelligent enough to diagnose them and then go at them with wisdom and pull up the strongholds that Satan tries to plant in our society. So I just told you that Satan has assigned a spirit of hate to this country. But we're going to start walking through and see, hey, we as humans are responsible for the culture that we live in. Though these demons have agendas and it's things they want to plant in our societies, in our neighborhoods, that's why the church's role is essential to society because it's her job to bring awareness to the agenda of the kingdom of darkness. So we got to be in position just like everybody else. Hospitals have a role in society. Car dealerships have a role in society. Plants have a role in society. Churches have a role in society as well. And our role is to bring spiritual enlightenment to our society, praise God. That's one of the purposes of church. So Jesus is telling them, you are thinking about right now your lifetime. But this is a generational issue that I'm trying to bring awareness to you of. You still have the same mindset. Praise God. And we and I want to get that your mind changed so that all of them that come behind you can have a different society to live in. Praise God. So let me go over here to the book of Revelations, chapter two. Let me go over here to the book of Revelations, chapter two. All right. And I'm going to share this scripture with you. And it really touched me as I was reading through it this morning. Revelations 2, verse 12 to 13. Somebody say generational mindset. Amen. Zoom out. Amen. Generational mindset. Stop thinking about just what's going on today only and see the big picture. And I'm going to help you with that. I've got some things that's going to help you to do that, get that kind of mindset. Praise God. Verse 12. And unto the angel of the church in Pergamos write, these things said he which had the sharp sword with two edges. That's a beautiful scripture. It says the sword of Christ has two edges. The meaning he don't care where the evil is coming from, what race is coming from. He don't want evil to be in any race. His sword doesn't just discriminate against one person and leave the other party out. No. I was thinking about this. Let me read this and then I'm going to share this with you. Verse 13. He said, I know your works and where you dwell. He said, I know where you live. I know the climate of your church. I know what's going on around you. But look what he said. Even where Satan's seat is. Even where Satan's seat is. When you start talking about seating, you're talking about government. And what Jesus was telling this church, he was telling them, I know that Satan has put his hand in the government of the society that you live in. Satan has always wanted to be involved in government. 
and, and where the laws are written and in the courthouses and in politicians because Satan knows that if I can get in the courthouses, if I can get in presidents, if I can get in governors, if I can get in world leaders, that is where the true climate of society is shaped. The true climate of society is shaped by the laws that are written, praise God. So while you are fighting in the streets, Satan is fighting to sit in governments. He's fighting to sit in courthouses. He's fighting to sit in the White House. He's fighting to sit in the governor's mansions. He, that's where he want to be because he know that if I can get my seat where laws are made, that's how society is formed. How you think Daniel got in the fire in the in the lion's pit? Do you know why Daniel was in the lion's den? Because some crooked politicians made a law that says whoever is praying to some other God and not doing what the king or the world leader at that time put in motion. Whoever is not obeying this law have to go and face judgment. So Daniel was following the higher law that was set by God. He loved God. He wasn't going to put any idols before God. That's what Daniel, that's the law that Daniel had in his heart. Thou shalt not have no other gods before me. And by Daniel observing the law of God, it caused him to be put in the lion's den. A lot of people don't want to get involved in politics, but that whole story is political. The only reason Daniel found himself in the lion's den was because some crooked politicians made a crooked law and it cost him his freedom. But God was with him in the lion's den. (laughs) And the only way that that king came back and changed those laws was because God intervened. And because Daniel was loyal to God in the face of that injustice that he faced. But that wasn't just for Daniel to be in a lion's den. But in the face of that, he still honored God. And because he honored God, God honored him and closed the lion's mouth. But that whole story is political, y'all. And that was part of Daniel's ministry. Because as Daniel stood in the face of the injustice that he received after that test, then God began to reveal prophetic things to him in chapters 10. But God didn't reveal things to him prophetically until after he was willing to honor God in the face of all the injustices that he faced. Praise God. So there's God was with him. So the scripture says, Jesus is saying right here, I understand the climate that you are living in, the environment. And Satan's seat Because Satan has found a way to get himself in government. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. Can I get an amen? Amen, somebody. And he said, so he he said his sword had two edges, praise God. All right, so let's go here. and and, And as I was looking at this, I started to, let me get up a little bit so I can read a little bit. All right. So let me preface this because what I was thinking this morning as I'm reading this, I got to make sure I give you some context. All any doctrine of hate, no matter where it comes from, is not of God. If you are pushing, pushing teachings that make black people superior, that's not of God. Any, if you are pushing teachings that make white people superior, that's not of God. Any doctrine that takes uh, Latinos and make them superior, any type of thing, there's a difference in having dignity in your culture versus being arrogant. 
See, pride is of the devil. Dignity is just humanity. Having confidence and having dignity about yourself. That is not sinful. But whenever we start allowing Satan to cause us to divide because of the way that we look, that's not godly. God never intended for people to be divided because they look different. God designed our bodies, and I talked about it a little bit last night, to look different based on where we settled in the world. If you settled in the world closer to the equator, then your body started getting darker and producing chemicals only to protect you according to where you live. And if you went to northern hemispheres, then your skin got lighter and your hair got longer only to protect you for where you live. God did not make these things so that we can use them as mechanisms to make fun of one another or to crack jokes about each other or bully one another because we look different. But that was never the intent of God. God's intent was only to give, to cause our bodies to adapt to where we live so that we can be more comfortable in the environment that we live in. But the the silliness of humanity allows the enemy to make one another hate one another because they look different versus understanding why we look different. And that's the church's job. That's my job. That's my role so that people can know you're not supposed to hate each other because you don't look the same. Praise God. So the first thing I want to do is denounce anything that teaches any type of hate to make people hate one another based on the way they look alone. That's so foolish and it's very immature. Because once you get through that layer of skin, after that, humans are humans. So don't let something so minute cause hate to be in your heart. Praise God. But you say, preacher, you're not answering. How do we progress? Well, I'm going to show you how do we progress. I want you to think about something. As I showed you, as I talked about why Satan wants government. Why do you think there's always contention and battles for the Supreme Court? Why do you think that? Why do you think people care who's put in the Supreme Court? Why do you think people wonder uh, who's going to be the next justice and who's going to be this? Because court cases is what shapes society. Whenever society includes peculiar moments and peculiar situations, then they go and they reference court cases and say, hey, this is how we handled it. And if a court case comes up in a particular juncture in time, then guess what happens? Another court case comes out and overturns it. If As society progresses, laws and things that are not just and for society where it is that day, then it goes back to court and it gets overturned. So we up here fighting one another. Churches arguing and bickering one another. And Satan trying to get in politics. Satan trying to get in government. And we fighting it with each other. But don't you see how foolish it is to have the fight against human to human? This is why Paul said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. He said, but we wrestle against rulers, powers, spiritual wickedness, principalities. The principalities represent governments. Rulers, the devil want to be in the Supreme Court. He want to be in the things that cause society's climate. That's why when you wasting your time arguing with one another, man, you just fighting the wrong battle. Praise God. Let me show you the battle. Let me show you the battle. If you really want to fight a real battle that's going to impact you and your children and your grandchildren. And have an impact when you're gone. Then Christians 
you know, God teaches us even financially how a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. In other words, a good man impacts three generations. So it is spiritually. So it is as a productive citizen. You want to do things that impact when you're gone. But when you're a selfish individual and a hateful individual and all you care about is what's going on for you and your group of people, then you're not concerned about what's going to be behind you when you leave, praise God. So let me just go into some of this real quick. Let's look at some court cases that has shaped our country. But let me share this with you before I read a few of those. Uh, I looked up and, and, and I just started to see how old our country is as far as the United States of America. Now I'm going to give you a little American history because the title of this message is, is The Spiritual Battle for the Soul of America. And I'm going to show you and I'm going to preface this the content that I'm bringing you with a couple of statements. Number one, America is only about 270 years old or 40 years old, somewhere in there. July 4, 1776, they uh, ratified our independence called the Declaration of Independence, July 4, 1776. And that's when the United States became what it is today, the United States of America. Praise God. <clears throat> so from that point, as our country began to move forward, we came into a juncture in history in 1861. Okay, and I'm going to just bring you back a little bit just to show you the progress we've made. But I told you the age of our country because you need to see that our country is still progressing. Our country is still developing. Our country is still evolving. And I'm going to show you some progress that we made. But I'm going to preface this by sharing this before I go into that. Just because we've made progress on a lot of fronts in dealing with the spirit of hate. We can't settle and get comfortable with one wrong or one manifestation hate of hate or one injustice. One injustice is too many. One manifestation of hate is too many. So just because I'm getting ready to kind of give you a little history and walk you through our progression, that doesn't mean we ignore what we see today. But I'm trying to show you the right way to deal with it, praise God. So I'm going to show you a little history, walk us up to where we are today, hopefully. And then when we leave from here, then we can start knowing moving forward. Let all our intercessors and apostles and prophets and prayer warriors and Christian people everywhere come together in unity and battle our real enemy and not each other. Praise God. One thing I saw today as I was riding the church, before I was reading that, it, it really touched me. I saw Stephen Furtick of Elevation Worship and John Gray. I think this church is relentless. And they were sitting on a panel together, two Christian men, and they were just having a dialogue about the climate and things that's going on today. And the scripture came to me and I said, that's why Jesus calls the church the light of the world, because that's how you do it. People coming together, the church should be in the front of teaching people how to come together, dialogue intellectually with the wisdom of God guiding us and how to work through disagreements and how to work through different views and value systems. One of the worst things you could do when you have a dialogue is not respect the view of somebody else 
because people develop views based on their backgrounds, their education level, how they grew up, their economic status. There's so many things that shape why somebody looked at something a particular way. And until we are willing to come together and not call somebody dumb or ignorant, that's why Jesus said, if you call somebody a fool, you're in danger of judgment. What he's saying is if you don't respect the different view of somebody else, then what you are saying is your view should not be heard and you're not relevant. And that's not God. Because you can't shape anything pure and godly and truthful without the minds of all the people that matter being involved. You can't do it. Praise God. So let me just go back into a little bit. Praise God. Let me share some of this with you. Remember, we're talking about the spiritual battle for the soul of America. We've made progress, but one act of hate and one injustice is too many. So we can't stop moving forward. Uh, we got to fight that spirit that Satan has assigned to our country as long as we got breath in our body. And when we leave, when you leave, you should make sure that you should be able to say when you leave this world, I did everything in my power to fight against that spirit of hate that Satan has brought to this world. All right. Okay, so let's go back to two things. I'm going to look at first the cornerstone speech. I don't know if a lot of you ever heard of that, but I'm going to read some of it to you. And then I'm going to show you some court cases and just kind of show you some of the where, how we have been moving forward. All right. So we're talking about the dealing with the spiritual battle to the soul of America and how Satan has assigned hateful demons to sow hate in the hearts of, of citizens of our country. So let's go back and walk through some of this. And obviously we can't get to all of it, but I'm just trying to highlight some things. So the cornerstone speech, this, you can look this up. It's public information. The cornerstone speech was in a guy named, let's see. Uh, Stevens was his last name and it was called the Cornerstone Speech and with, oh, Alexander Stevens. The date of the speech was March 21st, 1861, 159 years ago. All right, and the location was in Savannah, Georgia, somewhere in there. Here's just some of the highlights of what he said. The Cornerstone Speech is called that, Stevens used the word Cornerstone to describe the great truth of elevating one race of people over another and the subordination of one to another. To use the term cornerstone, he said, its foundations are laid and its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the African-American is not equal to his counterpart and that he is to be subordinate to the superior and that's the natural normal condition. He said, this is our government, he said, is the first in the history of the world to recognize that according to philosophy and science that this is true. Now, think about this. There's literally no basis for this. There's no scientific proof of this. So where could such thinking come from? Where could such ideology come from? That if you go into the word of God, all God said, this is what God said. All God said in the book of Genesis was that these 
He's saying God created man. That's all God said. It didn't say that God uh, made one above another. And then you come back in the book of Acts. Paul echoed it. He said all human beings come have one blood that's upon the face of the earth. So if God didn't say that and God echoes it throughout the scripture that human beings call one blood and they all come from the dirt. Obviously, it has to be satanic in inspiration. Think about it. Only Satan could inspire people to go against what God has also put in motion. Now, what got me, I told you the sword has two edges. What got me is how, how uh, he began to teach on these things. But then I started to think about how on the other side of the coin, you've got some people that come and they call somebody that don't look at like them. They may say, well, that man is the devil. I want y'all to think about this. Satan comes in and he tries to get people to hate each other based on the way that they look. When there is no biblical proof that we should behave like that, when there's no scientific proof that we're different, if you look in the brain of one human and another human, the brains are the same size. I mean, we've got to really be intelligent in what we're doing. We can't allow Satan to cause people to hate one another but with no basis to it. Praise God. So look at this. He said, and he used the word cornerstone. This is what touched my heart because he was talking about this is the uh, he went and he used it and he pulled the scripture talking about Christ being the chief cornerstone. And then he used that particular scripture and called it the cornerstone speech to cause races to hate each other. And I want you to think about how warped that is in thinking. The scriptures called Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone because he's the foundation of all salvation. But this individual used it, that same scripture to cause people to hate one another. That's not God. Now, even when you go to the other side of the sword, if anybody is trying to take the Bible and cause people to believe that black people are superior, there is no basis for that. There is. So if you're going to be a true person that represents God, you have to denounce all teachings that try to elevate one over another based on skin color. You can't. You can't be a part of one sect of people and try to use God and put God and get God on your side and ele- when God is a spirit. God is not interested in a race war. God is not interested in people hating one another because of the way they look. So we either we cannot try to elevate one type of people above another based on how they look. That's not God. So the other edge of that sword, if you hear anybody teaching anything that tries to suggest that a black person is superior or a white person is superior or a Latino, if you are a real Christian, you got to renounce those things. You can't allow that to be in your church. But there is no such thing as a black church and a white church because Paul taught, he said, in Christ, there is no Jew or Greek. That's racist. There is no racism in Christ, church of God. And as the church of God, we got to go by what the scriptures say. We got to go by what the Bible say. It doesn't matter how upset we are and how we feel. We got to let the word of God be our guide in everything that we do. But that's why David said, your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. Praise God. And as I study a lot of things on American history, I just try to grab the highlights to share because when you start doing a lot of research and understanding, a lot of things you really don't even want to read 
because it's, 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 it's not something that you want to think about too long, but you've got to know history and you've got to be able to walk forward and see the progress. But remember, because some people say there is no progress. Well, I didn't live through that right there. And I'm not going to devalue the people that did or look down on the people that did. You can't control when you were born and whatever you live in. But you also have to have a healthy perspective of history to see from a zoom out lens where we are and where we're going. Praise God. It's healthy to know history. Amen. And you got to be mature to walk through history and to be able to walk in a pure heart and the wisdom of God and to see how God has intervened. Because many times, because let me share something with you. The cornerstone speech came before. This is a little history. The, the states of America were united. And then you had seven southern states, about seven, that decided that they wanted to break off. Because the fundamental reason was this thought, press right, thought process right here. And they felt like the, what the, the system that they had in place should have continued. Well, then you move to the northern part of America. And in the northern part of America, guess what? They didn't agree with this. Now, let me show you the climate right here. This was not, this is why racism in itself is to me is very, very, very ignorant on all fronts. And I'm going to just give you facts. <laughs> the facts are this. The people in America that had the influence at that time were Caucasians, white. Okay. The people in the north that rejected that mindset were white. Think about that. They were the ones that said that thought process is evil and is wicked and we're not going to accept it. So two entities went to war over the fundamental philosophy that all human beings should be treated equally and that they are equal. And that's what the Civil War was about. That's American history. The, the reason they fought was so that people can be viewed as equal. Think about that for a minute. And that resistance came from the North where Lincoln was and all of these people. And they rejected that ideology right there. That was in, so there was a four-year civil war in America to reject that ideology right there when the southern states seceded from the Union. So after that four-year war, then you went through a period of reconstruction where America started to reconstruct because the North won. Think about that. That's how that institutional system was removed from America because the North overcame and they won the war to root that fundamental system based on that ideology out of America. That was a major paradigm shift in our country. I didn't live through that, but if you just read and there's movies about it, you know that that was a hard time in our history, but it was necessary for the North to win because it opened up America to a whole new uh, way of living. So then what I did, I just kind of started walking from there and I started to look at some different court cases and God began to share. He said, why do you think people fight for the Supreme Court? And remember, I'm talking about the spiritual battle for the soul of America. 
for the soul of America. And a lot of people, what really bothers me is the level of illiteracy. And I'm not talking about not being able to read. I'm talking about not going read and research and learning these things. A lot of times when we go to school, I remember we was in school and you, your kids in school, civics classes and history classes. A lot of people don't pay attention to that. But when things happen in society, because you don't have knowledge and you don't have insight and you don't understand and you're not attending church and hearing messages about spiritual wickedness, then a lot of times that's why the Bible say anger rests in the bosom of a fool or somebody that doesn't have knowledge. When you don't have knowledge, your mind can't process complex thoughts. Your mind can't process and analyze because you haven't filled it with knowledge. The Bible says a wise man treasures knowledge. Why? Because the more knowledge you put in yourself, the more things your brain can walk through when you're trying to make decisions. But if you won't take time to read and study and learn, then whenever things happen, the Bible calls that being a fool. And all you want to do is go violent because you're not thinking. Praise God. But the Supreme Court and all of these battles, that's where all the intellectuals gather to make the laws that govern society. That's what Satan want to be. Praise God. So look at this. Look at this. Let me just show you a few court cases that shaped our country as we move from that civil war. So let me just give you a few. And you probably heard of a few, but you probably can't go through many. But when you get time, the article I found is the list of landmark court decisions in the U.S. So when you get time, you go do some research and you'll see where we, what, what we've walked through, where we are today, and what we can achieve as we, if we continue to move forward. So the first one I'm going to give you just a quick highlight, Dred Scott versus Samford. In the U.S. 63 is what I guess that's a court document. I didn't even look that part up. In 1857, 1857, this is after all, this is as we're moving forward. People of African descent that are slaves or were slaves and subsequently freed along with their descendants cannot be U.S. citizens. But consequently, they cannot sue in federal court. Additionally, Slavery cannot be prohibited in territories before they are admitted to the union as doing so would violate the due process of the Fifth, Fifth Amendment. After the Civil War, this decision was voided by the 13th and 14th Amendments to the Constitution. I want to read that again. I'm just showing you progress. Okay, This is facts. The people of African America, this is U.S. Court Case 393. People of African descent that are slaves or were slaves and subsequently freed along with their descendants cannot be U.S. citizens. Consequently, they cannot sue in federal court. Federal court. Additionally, slavery cannot be prohibited in U.S. territories before they are admitted to the union as doing so would violate the due process clause of the Fifth Amendment. But after the Civil War, this decision was voided by the 13th and 14th Amendments to the Constitution. Meaning, if you want to make real change in the country and the society, you got to deal with where the laws are made. And then you can always, when nations evolve through amendments, 
And just because something was written, just because we're dealing with one set of rules today, and just because Satan got in there and he may have influenced some things that cause injustice, the only way they can stay intact is if nobody is aware and if nobody's doing anything. But if we become aware of it and we fight the right fight, you can come out with a law, but then guess what? It can be overturned if it's not just for everybody. Let's go to Strada versus West Virginia in 1880, 23 years later. <laughs> Exclusions of individuals from juries solely because of their race is a violation of the Equal Protection Clause. Noteworthy for being the first time that the court had reversed a state criminal conviction for a violation of a constitutional provision concerning criminal procedure. 1883, neither the fourth, let's go to Plessy versus Ferguson. Some of you probably heard of this. Now we're in 1896. Segregated facilities for blacks and whites are constitutional under the doctrine of separate but equal, which holds for close to 60 years. So for 60 years, there was an era in society where black and white facilities were separated. But it was overruled by the Brown of by the case called Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954. So you had a 60 year period in our country to where things were separated and they had a term separate but equal. Or Brown versus education, the Supreme Court case. See, these are the battles that people got to want to fight. It was overruled. 1954. The only only entity that wants to see people divided and fighting and killing one another is demonic in nature. You got to understand, Satan is the one that want everybody fighting. He want churches fighting. He want races fighting. God says, declaring, he says, striving to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Praise God. So let's go over here. To six, uh, 1944, Smith versus Allwright. Wow. The primary elections must be open to voters of all races. Now, here we are in 1944, people fighting to get the right to vote for everybody. That's where your voice is more powerful. So lose the mindset that my vote don't matter. That's not intelligent, is not smart, and is not true. If you're a citizen, think about this. I want you to think about this, and I said this last night. If you are a W-2 employee, and you work in the United States, and you get your checks done, and they have FICA taxes, they take out federal tax, they take out state tax, they take out Social Security tax, things of that nature, and this money goes to fund the White House operations, the government operations of your state, the things you every time you buy goods and services, you pay a sales tax, then go to your cities and your parishes. So you send your money uh, to all of these things, but you keep your vote to yourself. But then you get upset when things don't change. Come on, think about that. If your money is coming out of your check, then your voice should be going to the ballot booth. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have let your money go support and not your vote. Because whether you like it or not, your money, your taxes coming out of your check. 
So why not get educated and go do things that matter? Go vote as well. You need to have election parties. I thought about that. You and people you know, your friends, instead of coming together talking about how bad things are, get some friends together and say, hey, here's who's running in this parish. Here's who's running in this election. Here's who's running here. You do this research on this bill. You go do background on this person. See what he's voted. See what he stands for. Have those kind of parties. And y'all come together. And when the time to vote come, you have educated knowledge so that you can make a decision and contribute to the culture of society. But if you're not willing to do that, then how can you be angry? How can you be upset when you have rights given to you that are more powerful than walking in hate? Praise God. But that's things that are there and available for us to do. And it's Christian to vote. It's Christian to be involved in politics. Politics are all throughout the world, all throughout the Bible. A lot of the prophecy that you read in the Bible, when you go in the book of Revelation and they prophesy about kings rising and falling. Y'all, kings is world leaders. That's politics. That's all that is. Praise God. All right. So look at this right here in 1944 also. President Frank, this is Korematsu versus the U.S., uh, 323 U.S. 214. I don't know what that means. Praise God. But in 1944, President Franklin Roosevelt Executive Order 9066 is constitutional. So therefore, American citizens of Japanese descent can be interned and deprived of their basic constitutional rights. This case featured the first application of strict scrutiny to racial discrimination by the government. Decision, the decision was possibly overturned in Trump versus Hawaii in 2018. Court cases always going on. Henderson versus the U.S. The Interstate Commerce Act of 1887 makes it unlawful for a railroad that engages in interstate commerce to subject any particular person to undue or unreasonable prejudice or disadvantage in any respect whatsoever. Praise God. Hernandez versus Texas, 1954. As you can see, I just talked about the Japanese Americans. Now I'm talking about Mexican Americans. It's human beings, for some reason, allow Satan to influence them to hate people that's not like them. We got to mature past that. In 1954, Mexican Americans and all other racial and national groups in the U.S. have equal protection under the 14th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. Praise God. So think about that. So when I say the battle for the soul of our country, our country is designed to be a place where everybody is, has access to equality. And that's what God wants, praise God. That's how God wants it to be, praise God. And that's what we got to do, we got to be aware of Satan's agenda and what he's after. There's so many court cases and, 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 and things that have happened, but we got to be aware as a people. And we got to know and see the enemy in these things. And we got to take our eyes off of human beings. And, and we got to know what we're really up against and pray and ask God for the right mind, the right heart. And every stop thinking that you don't matter and you don't count Christian people. You matter. You count 
all sit, come on, we got to rise above all of these things that divide us and all of these things and, 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 and become like Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed, he said, Father, make them one. Let me go over here to the book of Ephesians, and this is where I'm going to look to close up. The book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians. Praise God. And remember what I said. I read some of that to show you, number one, America, United States, July 4, 1776, 200 and something years old, relatively young. Okay? The country is still progressing and moving forward. But don't let that statement, that statement is not an excuse for the spirit of hate to move through our country. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, we've got to take this opportunity to deal with what's going on, deal with it the right way, steamroll it like, um, like it's supposed to be. Because one manifestation of hate, one manifestation of injustice is too many. Praise God. So don't use progress as an excuse not to keep progressing. We've got to keep progressing till there's no more occurrences of it. To where there's no more manifestations of hate. To where there's no more manifestations of injustice. And when that is achieved, then you can say mission accomplished. So don't look at, well, it's not like it used to be. It's not like it used to be, but we don't want one thing. Even in the word of God, it says not one spot, one blemish or any such thing can get into heaven. And I don't believe God wants us to be satisfied because there's been some court cases that has shaped America. God's heart for America is that it continues to move forward and root out all the agendas of Satan. And don't let it manifest in any kind of way. And remember, this is spiritual warfare being manifested through hate praise god let's go to the book of ephesians as we get ready to get through this praise god let me just give you galatians right quick and then i'm gonna go to ephesians i saw somebody put this on on the stream last night and it really really blessed me and i just want to read it right quick (laughs) amen all right it's in Galatians. Let's see. Let me grab that and then I'm going to go to Ephesians and then that's where I'm going to close. Praise God. Galatians is really a beautiful book and it, it addresses. There's some racism in there though. Praise God. And Paul dealt with it. The Bible deals with it. Amen. You can, let's go to Ephesians. I'm going to quote that for you. In the book of Galatians, it says, in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female. Amen. Where is that scripture? I really want to read it. Where is that scripture at real quick? And then I'm going to move to Ephesians. I want to leave that with you. I want to read it. I want to read it. Galatians. Anybody can find it for me real quick. Where Paul said there's neither male nor female, bond nor free, Greek or Jew. I don't know exactly where it is. Y'all got y'all can pull it up. No, just so I can read it right quick. Y'all got it? Okay. Let's see. Let's go to Ephesians. But the quote, uh, the way Paul wrote it. That's why I thought. 3 and 28? Okay, good. Here we go. 
They say, he said, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. Now, Jew nor Greek, he was talking about race. <laughs> in Christ, there's no race. There's no race in Christ. There's no black church. There's no white church. There's no Mexican church. There's no Latino church. The church, the church of Christ is a church that's filled with his spirit. So Paul is saying, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. He said, for you are all one in Christ Jesus if you be Christ. So he's saying, if you be Christ's, then you are all one. He said, and if you be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So my, my uh, urge to you, or my admonition to you is, don't be a part of a church that's pushing a race. If a church is pushing a race, they're not pushing Christ. Because in Christ, there is no race. If Don't be part of a denomination that promotes a race over another people. Because in Christ, there is no race. There is no denominations in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are placed in Christ by his spirit. And the body of Christ trumps everything. And you need to know that that's just biblical facts. So I don't care if somebody can go to the scriptures to try to prove that we should be one sect is greater than another sect. Get the whole context of the scripture. Because in Christ, as Paul the apostle to the Gentiles just read, he's the apostle to the whole Gentile world. And he was letting the Gentile world know and all the Jews that in Christ there is no Jew or Greek. It's all by, by the Spirit. So when you're born of the Spirit of God, you're placed in Christ. And in that entity, there is no Jew or Greek. Praise God. So let me finish up over in the book of Ephesians. As we get ready to close, I want to finish in Ephesians. And I'm going to chapter, let's see here. Praise God. Let's go to chapter four. All right. Let's go to chapter four. Verse 12. He was talking about the reason he put on these offices in church. He said, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He said, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children. See, this is a note of being childish in your faith. So when you are tossed to and fro and you're carried about with every wind of doctrine, he called doctrine wind because wind represents life. And the doctrine, when Jesus said the words that I speak to you, they are spirit. Remember I taught about that. And what he was saying is, Every wind of doctrine has a life behind it. The words have life behind it. Then he said, don't let somebody's passion or their teachings or anything influence you off of moving toward the being united in the body of Christ. If anybody is using anything to cause people to be divided based on anything, then that's a wind of doctrine. I just read to you about the cornerstone speech. That was a wind of doctrine. And if you receive the life or the wind of that doctrine, then it can toss you 
to and fro. It can toss you and cause you to be one that love and it can toss you to hate. Can he say, don't let the different doctrines and teachings get in your mind and cause you seeds of hatred and division to toss you to and fro. He say, because when you are tossed to and fro by the wind of a doctrine, he say, that's a child mind. He say, children are easily influenced. And so it don't matter if you're 50 or 60. If every new teaching come out and it causes you to shift and it causes you to change, he say you are childish because children don't go research. Because when you're building a life, you want to make sure that you're building your life on what's true and what's factual. And children allow people to shift them and toss them to and fro, even if there's no truth to it. One thing I love about when presidential elections come, I love this little thing called fact-checking. Because when people are running for offices, they say some of everything. But one thing I learned to do, and, and I'm glad I learned it, whenever somebody running for something, you can get everything out, but then I got the right to fact check you and go behind you and say, okay, let me check it out. And so should it be in church? Because look what he said next. By the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. That's one of the hardest things for human beings to be able to decipher. When somebody is slate or very crafty, then they stand before you with a teaching or a doctrine that can cause you to hate or divide from somebody. But Paul said, if you can't discern and detect when somebody is trying to trick you, that's called childish. You can't let your emotional attachment to any race or party or church cause you to be influenced by somebody that's crafty because the scriptures also use the term cunning craftiness in reference to the enemy Satan himself so the scriptures called them when he went into the snake he picked the snake in the garden because that was the most subtle or crafty hard to detect beast in the field he said but speaking the truth anytime you want to find God you find God in what is true truth is what God is. God even went so far as Jesus said, I'm going to send the spirit of truth. So anytime you're trying to find where God is and what God is thinking, find truth. And whatever the truth on a matter is, whatever the truth on a subject is, that's what God is. That's the conference. It's just that simple. He said, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. He's saying, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make an increase of itself, make an increase of the body until the edifying of itself in love. And that was great words from the Apostle Paul. And he was, he was exhorting the church not to be caught up in craftiness and slick talking and things of that nature, but fact check everything. And if you're not fact checking them, and if you're allowing your emotions to guide you, then you're a child. That's not, in, in, that's not mature in the faith. The maturity in the faith is fact checking the things that you hear, praise God, in the political arena, in the church arena, in your friendships, and your, whatever you're involved in, praise God. And that's, that's how we live. So we're going to get ready to pray. Amen. 
Hopefully I share some things with you to help you today. And remember, one act of injustice or hatred is too many. Remember, Satan want to be in government. The church got to be in intercession just like Daniel was. When, when Daniel was in prayer before God, God showed him. And that angel opened his eyes to the real battle. When that, and when God was trying to get that message to Daniel, that demon met that angel in the air and fought him. Praise God. Remember that. So we got to be, our position as a church is to bring enlightenment to the spiritual side of everything. And just because we are moving forward, that don't mean we accept hatred in any form, praise God. But if you have the ability and if you have the, if you are now able to vote, be intelligent, be involved, engage, amen, because the human beings are the foundation of the world. And we got to be able to have dialogues and conversations and vote all of that, coming together as leaders, whatever it takes, amen, so that the heart and the mind of God, amen, is expressed in the world. That's what Jesus said. He said, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's our job as the church, to express and advance the will of God in the earth the way he desires it to be from heaven. So let us pray. As we get ready to close this service today, praise God. Father God, in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to ask that you pray with me. Amen. Pray that God will strengthen your heart. Pray that God will keep you with a pure heart. Pray for our president. Pray for the governors. Pray for the mayors. Lift up the protest that's going on. Pray for that, that God would intervene, that God would move. Amen. Because on top of the, the, the pandemic we've been dealing with, now we're dealing with protesting and, and injustices and things like that. So if you think there's not much to pray for, your prayer life should be strong because there's so much to pray for that's going on in our country right now. You should have intercessors should be so busy. If you call yourself an intercessor and you're not a burden and you're not travail, then I got a question. If you call yourself an intercessor, if God calls you the intercession, because if you any true intercessor, anytime you look on the state of the world and humanity, you should get burdened. And a true intercessor is going to have insight into the demonic activities that's going on. And that's what they're praying to come against. Praise God. That's what intercession is about. The intercession is going in between the gap. That's what God said. <laughs> he said, I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap. That standing in the gap means to intercede, to get in between God and man and to send petitions up and ask God to intervene and ask God for wisdom and ask God for direction, what to do, praise God. And that's what true intercession is all about. And if you can look at the state of America and the state of the church world and you don't have a burden and if your prayer closet is not hot and if you're not driven to prayer and fast, then I really have to question if you're an intercessor because there's so much turmoil and chaos going on right now. The people of God should be on their face like never before. And especially if you call yourself a prayer warrior, then you got so much to pray for. And we need God to lift our churches. Like I said last night, we don't want to be part of the era of the petty church where we fighting over things that's trivial while Satan fighting for things that matter. But we want to be better than that. The Apostle Paul has called the church to be no more children tossed to and fro. And that's what I'm saying today. I'm just echoing it. 
I'm just repeating it, that the church rise up beyond the divisiveness and the arguing and the fighting one another. And let's put our eyes on what really matters, fighting this spiritual enemy and working together, just like I saw today. It blessed me so much to see Stephen 